My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in Capernaum, which was called the City of Jesus. It was a well-to-do fishing village right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus moved his ministry base here when he left Nazareth, and that was very strategic. Shouldn't surprise us, because everything God does is strategic. Right alongside of Capernaum, there was a big road that connected the north of Israel to the south of Israel, and people traveled on that road, which meant people could easily get here to see Jesus. Today, Capernaum is filled with tourists from around the world. It's nothing new, because when Jesus lived here, it was also filled with visitors who came because they had heard of the legendary power of Jesus Christ even in his life. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll find the majority of notable miracles Jesus did happened in this city. In every nook and cranny of this town, power literally manifested to cast out demons, heal the sick. So many signs and wonders happened in this town. And Jesus launched his ministry in the synagogue. That's what is behind me. Now, the synagogue, which we see today, was reconstructed in the fourth century, but on top of the synagogue that Jesus entered into when he first began his ministry here. And we read about it in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. It says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day entered into the synagogue and taught. Listen to this in verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit who cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? That word destroy means to unloose, to untie, to unravel, to totally undo. These demon spirits understood what the power of God would do to them. And when they saw Jesus and they heard his authority, they said, wow, we are in trouble. He has come to destroy us. And that was right. Jesus came to unravel their power and to set people free. And he started in this synagogue with one man whom he liberated his first day in the city. That's how Jesus launched his ministry in Capernaum. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm so thankful you've allowed me to come right into your space. And today, we're going to really dive into the Gospels to see what we can discover that is brand new about the miracles of Jesus. We're going to dig below the surface of the English language, really dive into the Greek language, and extract gems that are going to make the miracles of Jesus really come alive for you it's going to be tremendous. And Father, in the name of Jesus, today we ask you to help us as we look into the scriptures to see what we've never seen before in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, I'm offering you my series by the same title, The Miracles of Jesus Christ. Please order this. I really believe you need this. It's 15 parts. It comes in multiple formats. It's really based on these programs. 
but it comes with a tremendous study guide. Pages and pages and pages of information, all the Greek words, the points, the principles, the history. It is amazing what is in this series and in this study guide. You will be so glad you ordered it. It would be perfect for your own study if you want to know more about the miracles of Jesus Christ. I'm also offering you my book, which is called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I'm offering this book with this series is because the gifts of the Holy Spirit bring the supernatural reality of Jesus to us. You'll find out in this book, there's a whole level of Jesus you cannot understand apart from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The back of the book says, a fresh look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are you hungry to know and experience more of the supernatural workings of the Spirit in your life? God has yet unknown dimensions of power and gifts that He designed to operate in the midst of His people, and you are about to discover why it's so important that those gifts become an ongoing living reality in you. God wants the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operational in your life. They were operational in the ministry of Jesus, and that's why we have the miracles of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus operating with the Holy Spirit, and it resulted in miracles. But today we're going to begin in Mark chapter 1. I've got my Bible. I hope you have your Bible. You need to read today with me because we're going to cover a lot of very important things in this chapter. And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has relocated to the city of Capernaum. And the Bible tells us what Jesus did the moment he entered the city of Capernaum. Listen to what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. And they went into Capernaum. So this is Jesus' grand entrance into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Verse 25. And Jesus rebuked him. What in the world does that mean, to rebuke? We're going to find out. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Now today I'm going to use my notes because we have a lot of territory to cover and I want to make sure we get everything into this program. But let's begin in verse 21. Mark 1 verse 21. Let's review. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. That word taught is the Greek word didasko. However, the form that is used here means he entered the synagogue teaching. He didn't wait till they gave him the podium. As he walked through the door of the synagogue, he was already elaborating on the Word of God. You have to remember that Jesus is the Word made flesh. That's what we're told in John 1.14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was literally the walking Bible. And everywhere Jesus went, he was speaking, he was teaching, he was unfolding revelation from the Word of God because that is who he was. And now we see in this verse, as he entered into the door of the synagogue, he was already speaking, he was already teaching. And by the way, when the Bible says he taught, 
it refers to a systematic teaching of God's Word. Jesus systematically taught doctrine, time-tested truths, and this is what Jesus was teaching as he entered into the synagogue. Listen to what Mark 1.22 says. And they were astonished at his doctrine. That word astonished is the Greek word ekpleso, which means to be struck with astonishment, astonished, amazed. You could even translate it utterly amazed. To be dumbfounded, to be at a loss of words, or to gasp in astonishment. They had never heard such teaching. Now remember, this was inside the synagogue. These were religious people who regularly attended church or they regularly attended the synagogue. But when Jesus came walking through that door that day, speaking the word of God as he walked into the building, they were all astonished. Here, the King James Version says, astonished at his doctrine. And again, the word doctrine is the word didache, which refers to systematic teaching, reliable, time-tested doctrine. Now, this was not the first time the people in the synagogue had heard this kind of teaching because the synagogue was filled with scribes. In fact, that's what the rest of verse 22 says. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. But you see, the scribes were there and the scribes were teaching. The word scribes refers to those who are committed to doctrine, those who are committed to the letter of the law. Sometimes this is translated as a copyist. These were people who literally made copies of the scriptures. These were very intellectual people who were intellectually conveying the meanings of scriptures. A lot of mind activity. But when Jesus came, he didn't come just with mind activity. Up until this time, that's what everyone was accustomed to. But when Jesus came walking through the door, unveiling the word of God, teaching as he walked through the door, they were astonished. My, my, we've never heard anything like this. They were dumbfounded. They were at a loss of words. They were gasping for astonishment. Why? Because he taught them as one that had authority. The word had is a form of the Greek word echo. The word echo means I have I hold, I possess. The form that is used here literally means as one having authority. So you could literally translate it like this, to have, to hold, to possess, to be an actual possession of a thing. And the tense means having or holding something in one's possession. And what did Jesus have in his possession? Authority. The word authority is the Greek word exousias. And the word exousias is a word that is familiar. It's used all over the New Testament. Jesus uses it many times. The Apostle Paul uses it many times. This word exousias describes authority or influence. It denotes one who has real power, those who possess authority that has been entrusted to them by a superior. And here we find that Jesus has received authority from the Father, Jesus has real authority, and he doesn't just have it, but the word echo is used here, having authority, holding authority, possessing authority, and Mark clearly says, not as the scribes. The word not is the Greek word ouk. Now in Greek, there are several words for not. It could be the word may, which is a negating force, but the word ouk is the strongest word for not in the Greek language. It is the equivalent to saying absolutely not, nothing like, nothing at all like the scribes. So the scribes were there. The scribes were regularly exegeting the Bible, dealing with intellectual 
matters concerning the scriptures. But when Jesus came, it wasn't just brain activity. Jesus came with real spiritual power. Mark 1.22 says, having authority. He was in possession of authority. I remember the first time I really heard somebody speak with authority on the subject of prayer. I was like these people. I was astonished. I grew up in a marvelous church where we prayed all the time, but I never really knew if God would hear me and would answer me. And I remember when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, I went to a service where someone taught on prayer, and he taught with such authority that if you pray like this and pray like this, God will answer you. You need to pray in faith, believing, and with your faith you can apprehend what you're praying for. He taught so boldly and with such authority, it left me dumbfounded. I was nearly gasping at the way this man was teaching the scriptures. I'd heard those same scriptures all my life, but I had never heard them taught with authority. And now that is what's happened when Jesus walks into the synagogue. Jesus is speaking the word of God. He's speaking scriptures, maybe even scriptures they've heard before. But this time, the scriptures are being brought with real supernatural power and authority. And Mark 1.23 tells us what happened next. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. When you read this in the Greek text, the Greek text inserts a word that is not in the King James Version. It means immediately, without pause, without delay. It means there was an instantaneous spiritual reaction to Jesus' authority. Demons reacted to the authority of Jesus immediately. That's what the Greek text says. But look again at this verse. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Now, when you read this in the Greek language, it says it a little different. If you read this in the King James Version, it says a man with an unclean spirit, almost like he is in possession of an unclean spirit. But when you read it in the Greek text, the Greek says in pneumati, it means the spirit had the man. In other words, this man was in the grip of that spirit. This man was in the control of that spirit. And in fact, that would be a better translation. And there was in their synagogue a man in the grip, a man completely in control, in the control of an unclean spirit. And you will see that this word unclean appears several times in this text, which means you need to pay attention to that because the Holy Spirit is telling you something very important by repeating this over and over and over. The word unclean is a Greek word Akathartos. And this Greek word means to be unclean, impure, morally lewd, or foul. It's unclean. It's an unclean spirit. It's morally lewd. It is foul. It was a horrible spirit. Now, to the eyes of everyone in the synagogue, it probably was not visible. This man may have had a private problem that no one knew about. Because this particular Greek word is used, the word unclean, which can also mean morally lewd, it may mean there were things going on in his head he didn't want anybody to know about. Maybe he had sexually impure thoughts, but in some way, whatever he was thinking about now began to take possession of him. They were no longer his thoughts, but now those thoughts had possession of him. The spirit had him. He was in the grip, he was in the control of an unclean, morally lewd, foul spirit. And when that spirit in him heard the authoritative teaching of Jesus, the Bible says the spirit cried out. The Greek word, 
anacrodzo. What in the world does that mean? Cry it out. The word anacrodzo means to repeatedly scream or shriek. This is horrible. To repeatedly scream or shriek. A prolonged blood-curdling scream. Suddenly this man, who probably was dignified and religious because he was in the synagogue, let out a blood-curdling scream, and not just once, but it was prolonged to repeatedly scream or to shriek. He was panicking as the spirit in him began shrieking and shrieking and screaming and screaming, and suddenly everything in the synagogue was disrupted by what was taking place. But this was the response of this demon to the authority of Jesus. And listen to what the demon said in Mark 1, 24. And the demon was saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Well, in this verse, there are some really important things for you to understand. First of all, the demon was saying, the Greek says legon, which means to say and say and to repetitiously say, which means when the demon began to pop up, it just talked and talked and talked. What have I to do with thee? What are you here for? What is the connection between us and you? What have we to do with thee? The demon is speaking, speaking, speaking because the demon is in a state of panic. Saying, what have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth. Then notice specifically what the demon says and what the demon knows about Jesus. Art thou come to destroy us? The word destroy is a translation of the Greek word apolumi. The word lumi is from luo, it means to unloose. The word apo means away from. When you translate these two words together, it means to disentangle, to disentangle, to unravel. It carries the idea of absolute destruction, something that is ruined, wasted, devastated, or destroyed, total destruction. This demon in this man is literally saying apolumi, did you come to untie us, unravel us, and to disentangle us from this man? This demon knew he was about to lose his residence inside this man, and he says, you've come to destroy us, to waste us. You've come to disentangle us, unravel us, take us apart. But how did the demon know that? He tells us, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. I know thee is a translation of the Greek word oida, the word oida describes knowledge gained by personal experience. A little translation would be, I know who you are. I've had experience with you before. And we know when this demon had experience with Jesus because of what he says next. I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Holy One is the word hagias with a capital A which means this is not just a holy person. This is the Holy One as in divine and the demon says, hey, I know a lot about you. I've had experience with you before on the basis of my past encounters with you. I know a lot about you. And I know based on my past experience with you, Holy One, you have come to Apolumi, unravel us, untangle us, disengage us from this man. And your aim is to totally waste us, destroy us. When did the demon have this previous experience with Jesus? And the answer is found 
in Ezekiel chapter 28, when the Bible tells us that Lucifer tried to exalt his throne above the throne of God. And in that moment, Jesus spoke and said, no, you're not doing that. And the Bible says Jesus cast him out as profane. Satan and all of his hosts never forgot that moment when Jesus literally undid them. He undid them. And now this demon sees Jesus. He hears the voice of Jesus. He says, I know this voice. I know this one. This is the Holy One of God. I remember what happened to us. The last time we saw him, he undid us then, and now he's come to undo us again. Wow. And in Mark 125, Jesus rebuked him, saying, notice it says, saying. The Greek says, saying and saying and repetitiously saying, which indicates the spirit did not immediately respond and obey. The spirit tried to argue with Jesus. It did not want to come out of the man. But Jesus rebuked him. The word rebuke, the Greek word epitomeo, which means Jesus spoke against. This word rebuke means to dishonor, to insult, even to humiliate. It was used in a court of law when judges verbalized the legal punishment to be applied to a violator or a lawbreaker. So Jesus literally rebukes him or begins to announce the verdict of judgment on this demon. Jesus begins insulting this demon, humiliating this demon, rebuking him. And in 125, the Bible says, Jesus said to him, hold thy peace. The Greek word, which means be muzzled or shut it up, which means Jesus doesn't like it when demons talk. He tells them to shut it up. And that's what he did here. This demon is running its mouth, talking in the synagogue, screaming, screeching, blood-curdling screams, putting everybody in the synagogue in fear. And finally, Jesus says, stop, stop, stop. Just shut it up. Hold your peace. I'm not going to tolerate this. And come out of him. The word out is the Greek word ek. It's where we get the word for an exit. Jesus was literally commanding this demon to make an exit. Wow. And Mark 1.26 tells us what happened. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, the word torn, the Greek word sparaso, which means to convulse with gasping, to throw into spasms, seizures, violent tremors. It can even be translated to mangle. So when Jesus says to the unclean spirit, Make an exit. Come out of the man. Jesus speaking in an authoritative voice. The demon begins leaving the man, but on his exit throws the man into spasms, throws the man into contortions, to convulse with gaspings. The man is gasping and convulsing. He's shaking on the ground as the demon is exiting him. Mark 1.27, And they were all amazed. Everyone in the synagogue. The word amaze, the Greek word thombeo, which means dumbfounded to the point of emotionally shutting down. They didn't know how to emotionally respond to what they were seeing and what they were experiencing. And they said, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? The word new is the Greek word kainos. A better translation would be no, what novel doctrine is this? They had never seen or heard anything like this before. For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. That word obey is a military term, which means they fall in line. When Jesus speaks, even the demonic realm recognizes it is the voice of the ultimate commander.
Wow. And listen to what Mark 1.28 says. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. The word fame, the Greek word echoe, is the Greek word for the ear. It describes something that is heard, a widespread rumor or spreading of information, or it literally means a ringing in the ears. The news of what Jesus did began to travel throughout the whole region. There was literally a ringing in the ears as people were talking about the miracle worker who had moved to the city of Capernaum. That is how Jesus began his miracle ministry in the city of Capernaum. We're out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. How do you read the Gospels? Does Jesus come alive? Do His words and miracles have meaning in your daily life? In the Miracles of Jesus Christ teaching series, Rick Renner transports you to first century Israel so you can see, hear, and experience the miracles and healings of Jesus as you've never known them before. You'll dive deep into the New Testament and see Christ's present-day miraculous power with a fresh and new perspective. In this 15-part teaching series, starting at just $24, you'll learn and know the miraculous power of Christ that will forever change your perspective on our wonderful healing Savior. Rick's unique insight and teaching method explores the stories you've always heard from a new perspective and present-day application. You'll never read the Gospels the same after experiencing the Miracles of Jesus teaching series. In addition to the teaching series, you can also receive the book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, available for just $10. In this book, you'll find a deeper understanding of the nine gifts of the Spirit and how you can operate in supernatural power because of the gifts God has given you. When you get this book today, you'll discover how the Holy Spirit can work powerfully in your life and the lives of those around you. Don't miss this special offer, The Miracles of Jesus, and or the book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Get these two powerful resources today. Today, we've been looking at Jesus' authority over the demonic realm. And quickly, I want to go back to Mark chapter 1, verse 27, to cover something else. It says they were all amazed. That word amazed means they mentally and emotionally shut down. They had never seen anything like this. They didn't know how to respond to it. They just shut down. It carries the idea of wonder, terror, amazement. They just did not know how to respond to what they had seen that day. In so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. When the Bible says he commandeth even the unclean spirits, that word commandeth is a Greek word epitasso, which means to put in order, to put in right arrangement. It is a military term to denote, to denote the authoritative voice of a commander. When Jesus spoke, the voice of a commander spoke to the demonic realm, and they fell in line. He put them in order. And in fact, the verse goes on to say he commands even the unclean spirits. The word even is the Greek word kai. While wow, this word kai would be better translated, can you imagine it? Even unclean spirits. He has such authority that kai, even unclean spirits obey him. That is the authority which Jesus has. Wow. By the way, I'm speaking to you from my series called The Miracles of Jesus Christ. We're really diving into the text of the New Testament to extract treasures about the miracle ministry of Jesus. And I'm also offering you my book, 
called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Order both of these. But Father, I thank you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He had authority then, and he still has authority today. And in the name of Jesus, we bind every demonic power in my friend's life and in their home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me. It's been great. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. There is. Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program.